So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. And every time I felt like I had a tropical disease or malaria, and then suddenly I'd realise, oh, for fuck's sake, turn it back on, haven't you? Yeah. And... I hate heated seats. Hate- <laughs> Me too. They're gross. But you can control these days. You can control them. Like you know, you can set how hot you want. I just want it off. I just want to have it off. That's all I want. Smashing security, episode three hundred and forty. Heated seats, car privacy, and Graham's porn video with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 340. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week on the show, Carol, we are joined by a special guest. It is Host Unknown's very own Andy Agnes. Hello, Andy. Hello, how's everyone doing? Great, how are you, Andy? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm good, you know what? I love it, and it's just we just go straight into it there, don't we? It's like, bam, one second, it was okay. So, right, not even, is everyone ready? It's just, hello, and welcome. There's, no, to there's not even time to get a cup of tea around here. No. <laughs> oh, I've already got one, thank you. If you were on the Host Unknown podcast, you'd sort of probably wander off, start making beef wellington or something, or, you know, <laughs> sorting out the drains. Well, we take a much more relaxed approach to recording. We're, we're, we're quite flexible with time. <laughs> well, we are not, so we should get this show on the road. But before we kick off, let's thank this week's wonderful sponsors, Collide, Drata, and Gigamon. It's their support that helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up in today's show, Graham, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to be talking about my new video on YouPorn. Oh, God. What about you, Andy? Uh, if you tolerate this, then your chilled air will be next. <laughs> I can see why you do the job you do and not uh, the headline guy. Um, and uh, cars with smart tech plus privacy equals what? Plus, we have a super informative featured interview with Mark Zhao, a technical evangelist at Gigamon, where he will share everything you need to know about using and securing the cloud. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, I received uh, something rather unusual in my inbox in the last few days. Um, was it an email? Yes, a, yes, an email. Yes, <laughs> okay. yeah, okay. So, yes, not it, a cat or anything. No, it wasn't. <laughs> wasn't wasn't a poop in a in a plastic container or anything like that. Nothing like. That. Yes, <laughs> why, an email. Why did you go to poop and not glitter bomb? Because. <laughs> 
Just, anyway, I, I, I've, I've, I, I'm going to share a screenshot of it with you, and I'll also put in a link in the show notes so other people can look at it as well. It's a very professional-looking email, and it looks like it comes from a corporation. It looks very legitimate. And the corporation it comes from is YouPorn. Oh. Uh, it's an urgent message from YouPorn. Are you familiar with YouPorn at all, Andy? But I've heard of it. And so this obviously got through because they're in your say senders list, right? You've already whitelisted there. <laughs> Honestly, uh, is YouPorn like a big, big porn site? Or It turns out it is, yes. It's a okay. free pornographic video sharing website. It's owned by the same company that owns Pornhub. Right. Porn on the internet. Yeah, I know. No, I know of Pornhub, but I, I've just never heard of YouPorn, or I don't think yeah, I they, they, Yeah, it turns out there's there's more than just a few uh, porn sites out there. Unbelievable. So they not only own YouPorn and Pornhub, they also own a, a Luxembourg-based site called Spankwire, which... Uh, I've never uh, frequented, obviously, but um, anyway, so a number of websites that this company owns. So I received this email and I thought, well, this is unusual. Why have I received an email from YouPorn? So I thought I'd take a look. So what I'll do is I'll I'll just take you through the email and we'll see what what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay. Greetings, they say. Greetings. Our AI-powered tools have detected that you are featured in sexually explicit content that was uploaded to our platform. (laughs) So I know this is not what you should do, but don't you want to just reply and go prove it? Well, 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 that, that was one of my thoughts. Um, But, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'm racking my brain trying to remember, was I in a sex video? Could there be a sex video? Have I uploaded a sex video to you, porn lately? And forgot about it. Has someone else got hold of a video of me? And, and you know, God, you're having a lot of sex. Jeez. <laughs> and also, I'm impressed by you, porn's AI tools because somehow they've identified me in this content based on your backside. You There's know. something well, <laughs> very unique. You've got something very unique about you, Gray. <laughs> is it? Is it my bottom print? You know what? What is it that they've? I hate to think because I'm sure it's very unique. Yeah. Is it going to? I mean, <laughs> fingerprints. Yeah, they identify you. A retina scan, but they. You know, my eyes. Well, they maybe not. got fingerprint. Would you always wear gloves? Well, well, yeah, but would you pick up people's fingerprints from a sex? Is sex it? video. I mean, it's not what they're focusing on normally, is it? But is it because you've got your initials on your Prince Albert? Could it have been it that? Which they <laughs> oh, oh. He probably has a picture of himself on his back, a bit like what's his name did. Just uh, that guy, Trump's friend, white-haired guy, went to jail for a bit. Roger hardened. Stone. Roger, Roger Stone. Stone. Roger Stone. <laughs> but he has a picture of Nixon on his back, not himself. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> big, yes. big, big, big Facebook. Does that mean tattoo. if a Roger Stone video gets uploaded to you, porn, they try and contact the deceased? Mr. Nixon. <laughs> thinking it's Richard Nixon in the video. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I'm th- I'm thinking, you know, what is going on here? You know, is my face even on screen in the sex video? And like Andy says, is it could it be another part of my body that has some unique characteristic or a barcode or serial number on it that allowed them to narrow it down to little old me? Anyway, so I'm I'm wondering what's going on here. So I carry on reading, and you porn say. At our company, we take security and privacy of our users very seriously. Very good. I think we should get that tattooed across very our arms. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, and that's true. They do take it seriously. I mean, 10 years ago, when they had a data breach, which exposed over a million of their users 
or new porn. Uh, they they took that quite seriously, and I remember the press did as well. They made uh, lots of puns about it, um, <laughs> talking about having to clean up the mess afterwards. Anyway, but moving on, they said, and we use advanced technology to help detect and prevent the distribution of non-consensual intimate images and videos. And I, I'm wondering, how can they tell? How can they tell? Is this, this is claiming to come from you porn directly. Look at the email, Crow. Look at no, the no, email. No, I didn't see the sender address. You didn't send me all the metadata. From yeah, info yeah. at youporn.com. Info yeah. at youporn.com. And they got the little you porn logo. Oh, at the I top see it now. Sorry, said, sorry. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And it's a, in a pretty fun, it all looks very, very professional. And they say, look, you know, our tools are very powerful, but we also rely on some human oversight to ensure that everything remains safe for everybody. So what we've done, this video has been uploaded. They say it will be published on YouPorn within the next seven days. And you've got an opportunity to review the content <laughs> and, you know, and say you don't want it published, right? Which I thought was very kind of them. So they provided me with a link to check it out. Right. So what do you think I did? You obviously clicked on the link right away. Yeah, or the expedited publish option because you don't want to wait seven days. You've got, you've yeah, got, you got fans some, you got waiting. some likes to make. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I check out the link and the link, it turns out, is broken. The link, at least in the email I received, just says HTTPS colon slash slash and then nothing else, right? So it doesn't go anywhere which is really disappointing as a link. So I've got to work. I mean, I imagine it's going to be youporn.com slash something. So I don't, I don't know what to do at this point because I don't have a link to check out the video. I'm thinking, should I just start trawling through youporn to see if I can find videos <laughs> of myself? Yeah. That's pretty shitty work if you have to do it. That's eh? yeah. great excuse there. Is there, <laughs> is there a cybersecurity podcast genre on YouPorn to try and narrow it down. I mean, should I be looking for certain scenarios? It never occurred to you it could be a deep fake of you. Well, I haven't seen anything yet. I, I, I I'm know. Just trying to, I'm trying to see. It could be. It could be. They could have faked all manner of things, couldn't they? Um, it does happen in videos, I've heard. So I'm, I'm sort of thinking I can't do anything. It says, if you didn't approve the upload, we kindly ask that you follow the instructions below to take immediate action. And of course, because I haven't seen the link, I'm panicking at this point. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, there's a sex video. I didn't know I was in it. Apparently I was in this video. It's been uploaded. It's going to be released to everybody. It could be embarrassing. It could be highly impressive. I don't know. I just simply do not know at this moment. I have a bet. I have a guess what it would be like. Probably. You do? You do? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably right, Carl. I think. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, they give me some options and they say, look, we've got a basic removal service, an express removal service, which not only will block it from our side, but will also prevent it from being re-uploaded on our network of 20 other websites. That's only going to cost you $199. <sighs> See, this is now, the opposite of what you want there. You want it out there as much as possible. <laughs> though. If you're going for exposure, you want full affiliation across all the networks. I love the social engineering method, though, they used of giving you a broken link, thinking that maybe you'd think, oh, my right. God, I broke the link or I can't access it. What are people seeing? I, I don't I know. know. Maybe it's my firewall. Maybe it's my company's, you know. <laughs> try bozos. Nice try. <laughs> then they say, well, look, th 20 websites, that's not very many because there are more than 20 pornographic websites. What? They say, 
they say we can, we can using our digital fingerprinting of your content, we can prevent it from being re-uploaded for a one-year period to our vast network of over 300 partner websites. And all that's going to cost me is $699. Oh, this is an annual fee as well. They're going to yes, that's an annual year. fee. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, they're going to have to keep on working at it, looking at these images and working out if they're me or not. And can they invoice Smashing Security directly? Or do it have to be a personal <laughs> card? <laughs> and then they say for the Platinum Edition protection, which is going to have digital protection by MediaWise and Safeguard, Facial recognition data for three years, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm not worried about my face here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to look at your biometrics. Lord knows what part of my body they're <laughs> doing biometrics on. I hate to think of that fingerprint. Um, that's going to cost me $1,399. And all I have to do, they say, is pay via Bitcoin and they provide a wallet address. So I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. The links I don't think, work. I think, Grim, go for platinum. Go for a platinum. Go for, go for platinum. platinum. Yeah. Just see what happens next. Yeah. If they could possibly just make this that slightly bit better. So, yeah, the whole broken link thing, you know, you can't get to address it quickly. But if they said that you had to upload a photo to prove it was you, yeah. along with the payment, mm-hmm. then they've got a bit more longevity. Maybe a passport fixture. Because Maybe if they had a description of the plot of the video, if I if they asked me to reenact it to prove that I am authorized. <laughs> Maybe you can get a sketch artist to sketch the image that they see that you think is yeah. me and send that over. <laughs> so I'm not sure whether to send this to YouPorn support and ask them for some help because of the broken link. I'm not Maybe this really is from YouPorn. And they're just trying to drive more traffic to their site. Isn't there a support button at the bottom of the email there, Graham? There there are some links there. So I haven't passed it over to them yet. I'm not sure. But I've done some searching online. There are other people who apparently have received similar emails, which could be because they are legitimately in these videos or not. I'm I'm imagining, though, that this is some kind of scam. But it's an interesting twist because just a couple of days before I got those emails, and I'm sure both of you will have received these ones where we say, oh, dear, oh, dear. Haven't you been a naughty boy? Because we've hacked into your computer and we know that you've been going to porn websites and we've recorded you and we're going to release this to the world, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Who would care? Like, who would care? Well, (laughs) I don't know. Someone might care, but maybe me. But but this is an interesting twist of pretending that, like, we're really genuinely helping you. We haven't been hacked. Someone has uploaded a video. And I imagine because young people do take video footage of themselves and older people as well, some people might be concerned. And maybe some people sometimes pay up. I don't know. Andy, have you ever starred in a sex video? Whether, oh, I have. Uh, many. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. His previous career. Yeah. Is that with Tom? Or, uh, uh, no, I've only ever been behind the camera for Tom. But um, <laughs> oh I think I think maybe we should move on. Maybe we should move on. Andy, what's your topic for us this week? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about subscription services. Uh, you know, so there's still a link from where you're coming from, Graham. And I don't know whether I'm entering my old man era, uh, sort of grumpy old man era. Um, right. Oh no! Another one. And so, yeah, I know. And do you know what? So it's so like with this. Okay, so Graham, obviously you've just taken us through this whole email, and I think the scam's yes. quite obvious, right? With the whole Bitcoin scheme. Um, so I got an email this morning. I checked my emails this morning, and I had something from PayPal, which uh, yeah. actually said 
um, you know, you've just created a new PayPal account. Please confirm your email. Hmm. Um, which I hadn't created a new PayPal account, but it was right. my email address, just not one that I use for PayPal. And then two hours later, I got another email from PayPal saying, like, you've opened the PayPal account. And I have analyzed it. I've checked all the links, the legit PayPal links. It's genuinely from PayPal. It is genuinely yeah. my email address. Oh. And I clicked the forgot password. You know, I actually went to the website, put in that username. Uh, then I click the forgot password and it's got my actual phone number in there as well to receive a text on it. Right. And so I don't know what the scam is. Okay. So that's put me in quite a bad mood all day um, because it's not been me that's done this. I'm right. sorry, Andy. This is better than a hob with no knobs. You know, I, I, I hear you. This is a big deal. But yeah, so I, I assume it's going to be either Tom or Jab messing with me. Um and so I saw this story and it just annoyed me out the bat. And so BMW have finally given up on charging people for their heated seats. Um, people pay for that? Well, so I don't know if you remember this story. So it actually started in 2020. Right. Okay. Right? Uh, so BMW introduced it into sort of selected markets. And those selected markets were South Korea and the UK. Um, the option for people to either pay $18 per month. Per month? Yeah, per month, or a one-time fee of $406 in order to be able to heat your seat. So that is, like, the seats that you already have in your car, but if you actually, you know, the heated seats that are already installed, but if you want them to work, you have to pay $18 a month. That's... And this happened. <laughs> and this, is, this actually happened after they had already backed down from a prior backlash where they wanted to charge for the use of Apple CarPlay. You know, so people could sync their, their phones with the, the hands-free well, and stuff like that. All right. Far be it from me to be devil's advocate, right? But isn't this rather sensible of them? Because then they just produce one kind of car hardware-wise. You know what? I knew Rather than lots say... of different versions. So they're going to save money, and maybe that's good for the environment or whatever, that they're just making one kind of thing rather than lots of other things. And, and then they can turn them on if, if you opt for them. Yeah, and like, who wants a heated seat? Honestly, yes. Like, you that, have that, heating in the yeah, car oh. already, right? You already <laughs> okay, have so. heating in the car. Well, I was, I'm a big fan of the heated seats. Oh, in cars, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I once went on a long car journey with Carol Terrio from Boston. Where do we go? Montreal or something? Mm -hmm. And she would sit next to me, and every now and then, I mean, it's like eight hours, nine hours in the car. Every now and then, she'd flip a little switch yeah. and turn on my heated seat. And every time, I felt like I had a tropical disease or malaria. And then suddenly, I'd realize, oh, for fuck's sake, you turn it back on, haven't you? Yeah. And I hate heated seats. Hate <laughs> Me too. They're gross. But you can control These days, you can control them. Like, you know, you can set how hot you want it. Or certainly in my car, you can. I just like, want it off. I just want to have it off. You can have it That's off. all I want. And so, yeah, the, you can, each person's got their own control as well. So you don't necessarily have to have it on for everyone. Um, <laughs> they but, used to go on for everybody, like dad wants it, so everyone's yeah, sweltering in the car. Exactly. God. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the problem. So, this, you know, and that's the great thing, right? Back in the day, if you wanted something, you just, like, especially optional extras in a Beamer or something, you know, if you wanted the top range, you'd get an M3, you know, and everyone knew that it had all the optional extras yeah. and it was a fast and all that. But now it's exactly what you just said, Graham. They're, they're building one thing. And then they're giving you this option. It's like the whole digitization model, right? Where they're just giving you that optional extra that you can pay for. But all you do is just unlocking, uh, you know, options and software. But 
it cost BMW nothing to enable it, right? You've already paid. Um, the equipment's already in there. They're not paying for the heat. Yeah, it's but they not had to like, put it in there and engineer yes, it and beta but, test it and blah, they had blah, to blah. Pay, they had to pay for it. Who do you think? Of course and they paid, paid for it. paid for that already. Yeah, this is like someone coming to me going, it's just a bit of paint oh. and a piece of paper. What's your, why are you charging? For say, Candy. Oh, gosh. Okay, well, do you know what? This is like, it goes back to that whole subscription stuff. Remember like back in the day, like Adobe, you could just buy it. Yes. If you didn't yes. use it much, you just get one copy of Photoshop yeah. and you'd use it, you know, for like yeah. three years. Yeah. Um, and then they went to like a monthly subscription fee. Yeah. And yeah. they're saying, oh, but you get the latest version every time. It's like, well, yeah. if I use it twice a year, it's not worth it. Let's let all the programmers go hungry, shall we? Just because they've only got one chance to make some money from their software product. I think this is, I think a, a monthly charge for a heated seat is quite reasonable because you probably only want it for two months a year. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, let's go. All then, right, right. So you if, turn it off. I see. Uh, that's a lot of pressure, though, for the person who's bought it. Like, think of how many things you're actually subscribed to right now outside yeah. you know, everything. And how are you managing that really? And how many of them have, are you still paying for, but you're not actually using as a service anymore? So I'm hoping the subscription model, I wouldn't mind if they said, okay, you want that 500 extra quid or whatever they want to charge mm -hmm. for it. A one-off fee, but it's the subscription model that irks me as well. So I'm with yeah. you, Andy. So Graham, if you didn't if you only had the heating you know sort of twice a year would you pay for aircon in the summer months i don't want i don't want heat in full stop i don't want i don't <laughs> want heated seat ever even in right. even if I, it's the ice age i right, don't so want it it's horrible what if the radio came with kiss fm playing and if you wanted like magic 60s you had to pay for a subscription to get that <laughs> would you then pay to subscribe or would you just leave the default i'm happy with kiss fm that's a good point but our industry is sure. pretty naughty with this, though. A lot of the stuff in the cyber world is subscription-based, you know? Yeah. But we need to get away from that. Oh, I'm not so sure. I think sometimes it's justified. If you want the continuing R&D, which admittedly maybe doesn't have to happen for heated seats, but, <laughs> but there are things where it is required. We've just adopted the Ryanair model, though. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're paying for a high-end BMW, and obviously all the jokes about, you know, the indicators are optional extras as well that no one pays for. But, you know, it's just the subscription models, I get it, they're all the rage, but it's, you just, this is a laughably stupid idea. I don't know why they persisted for so long as well. So, Andy, tell me, are you going to jailbreak your BMW? So it gives you heated seats without paying. Do you know what? My wife is absolutely against BMW's full stop. Um, so it, it's a given, like, I will never be able to own one whilst I'm married with her. Um, but it's, um, some guys actually did it at Black Hat this year. Ah. They hacked the Tesla, who has also locked the heated seats. Uh, and so they had, one of the, the guys had his own, um, and they hacked it to release the heating option for the oh, That's seats. good. That's good value. Yeah, to yeah. save $300. Yeah. Which is what Tesla charged. Fantastic. But can I just say, BMW, uh, a USA spokesman, did clarify that in the US market, heated seats and steering wheels were either a standard or factory option and not a subscription. At the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're, yeah, they're steering away from that. Yeah, just the numpties in the UK that tried to pay for it. Yeah. Carol, what's your story for us this week? 
well, I was going to open this saying, have either of you been car shopping recently? But I'm guessing, Andy, maybe you have. <laughs> we have been looking to, uh, to upgrade our car. Well, yeah. this, my story is in perfect timing for you. Because I, I haven't car shopped in a long time. I have an old, old car and it's doing just fine. And it seems cars have come a long way since I was on the market looking for one. Like, like literally airbags were all the rage when I got my car. You know, and it still even has a CD player, but there's no cup holder. There is n- that is the most irritating thing about my car, the lack of cup holder. I think that was an optional extra. So irritating. But you have cool stuff now. Now, Graham, I know you have some of this stuff in your car. Like, do you have advanced driver assist controls? Like, so it monitors blind spots and keeps you in your lane and all that kind of stuff? It, yeah, it warns me if I'm about to cross into a lane where a car is about to hit me. And it it, it can actually drive to some extent. So if I'm on the motorway, I, I don't have to steer. I can put it sort of in cruise control and it will drive along. I have to touch the steering wheel occasionally. But um, what are you what are you doing with your hands then? Well, <laughs> you know, if <laughs> making use of his e-porn subscription, that's, a, that's a <laughs> steady. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my, my car does do some things. It has a few beeps. It will occasionally beep. Yeah, yeah it's not like it's it? saying, hey, Graham, pay attention. It's going. Arr, arr, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. yeah. It's a lane departure warning. Is that what it's called? That's one of them. Yes. And if I'm about to hit a car, it will warm me with some beeps and then put the brakes on and things like that. It's all. Oh, good stuff. If you had to rent a car now without those things, would you find that a bit stressful because you've become reliant on those to help you drive? <laughs> well, actually, I had to hire a, a removal van recently and uh, take a few long trips. So, um, uh, And that didn't have any of these gizmos. And uh, I managed to cope with it. So I, I do seem to be able to jump between the two different types of vehicle fairly easily. Okay. Um, what about a 360-degree parking camera? Do you have one of those? I don't in my current car. I did have in a past car. And it actually, actually, there was a button, although I could never remember how to work it. There was a button where it could actually parallel park or reverse park into a gap. Right. So it would show you on your infotainment screen and then you'd kind of get this bird's eye view. Yeah. It was, it was something like that. It was very complicated to set up. I, frankly, I only did it like two or three times to show off to people. But um, it was, <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't an impressive car. But in researching this story, I even found out that there's remote control parking, like literally, so you can get out of the car at a car spot that's maybe too tight for you to get out. If you're a bit porky. And you can park it using this kind of display key or I think an app on your phone. Amazing. It's insane. And there's also an intelligent review mirror. This is Nissan in collaboration with Panasonic. So the driver's rear view comes from a rear mounted camera. So you don't have an obstructed view of all like, you know, the road or the luggage, your passengers yeah. behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently there's a big bonus because there's no glare from the sun. They can handle all that stuff. So it eliminates all that. But what if you get dead pixels? <laughs> dead pixels on the screen. <laughs> And it's like, you know, the whole objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. You, you sort of, does it replicate that? Mm-hmm. And there's even teen driver technology, which places certain restrictions on your teenager if they're not practicing safe driving protocols. So, for instance, some vehicles will not allow the radio or audio system to play until all occupants have fastened their seatbelts. <laughs> hey, what? Hang on, hang on, hang on. If if you've got a really expensive car which has all these gizmos, the last thing you should be doing is handing the car keys to your teenager. Shouldn't uh, they be having the really cheap, bashed up car uh, instead? 
Well, it's hilarious. You're probably paying for the heated seats and it won't turn them on until they do certain things. They even get report <laughs> cards sent to the teen driver's guardian or parent to show how well they've been adhering to driving laws. Oh, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so all this stuff, right? This is all powered by the world of computers and code and logins and services and all that stuff. And who's making sure everything is up to scratch for the actual buyer of the vehicle? You know, the customer. I mean, sure, there's all these bells and whistles. They're sweet, but at what cost? So I was thrilled to see that the folks at Mozilla's Privacy Not Included camp, this is where a team of researchers look closely at IoT gizmos, like from watches to toys to cars, yeah. and they check out the fine print. They've done really good stuff in the past, haven't they? Yeah, we've covered them a few times. I'm a big fan. And yeah. they, they basically provide a creepiness rating based on what they find. Hmm. And some are surprisingly good, like uh, gizmos, and they're good and are not creepy at all, while others beggar belief. And you can't help but wonder how selling this stuff could even be legal. So is the gizmo stealthily helping itself to personal details? That's the thing that they prob- they're looking at. If so, what? What are they taking from you? And also, what is the company doing with that personal details that they've taken from you once they've hoovered it up? So can I answer that? So the first one, yes. Uh, two, everything. And three, whatever they want. Well, very interesting. Because a few weeks ago, a research team of three at uh, Privacy Not Included at Mozilla Foundation, Jen Colrider, Mikhail Rykoff, and Zoe McDonald looked at 25 car brands. Okay, so this is Subaru, BMW, Mercedes, Jeep, Chrysler, Ford, Dodge, all of them. They even had Tesla in there. And they spent over 600 hours researching the car brand's privacy practices. So in terms of a category of products, so if we talk things like vacuums or or Hoovers in your country or like phones or whatever, I don't even know how to say this. You know, do, you, do you know what I mean by a category of product? Yeah, yeah. Like there's all kinds of different smart IoT devices. So cars is one of those categories. How do you think it was benchmarked in better or worse than the average IoT gizmo category? Do you think they were safer? more privacy aware because they're an established business <laughs> and a model. The way you're building this up, Carol, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's got to be a no, isn't it? I'm doing a shit job! <laughs> <laughs> they're basically smartphones on wheels these days. It's, it, yes. it's not a car anymore. There's no joy in it. <laughs> they're soulless devices. <laughs> it's a mobile computer. They say, I'll I'll save you time. They say all 25 car brands they researched earned our privacy not included warning label, making cars the official worst category of products for privacy that they had ever reviewed. And these guys have reviewed a lot of gizmos over the years. Yeah. Now, I'd say cars are complicated beats. Like, as you say, Andy, right? It's not not like a a toy for a kid. There's a lot of different functionalities in a car and there's a lot of tech. And you have a lot of lawyers that are involved in the car business, yeah. right? So the paperwork is going to be like a CYA, a lot of that in the legal terms yeah. and conditions. The legal team's bigger than the engineering team. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> but think about it. Every car brand, all 25, the team looked at, they say, quote, collects more personal data than necessary and uses that information for a reason other than to operate your vehicle and manage the relationship with you. You make it sound like it's about time Facebook released their own car, that they're missing a trick here. <laughs> they're letting someone else take, take do a better job than they are. 
So just like a few cute numbers here, a few highlights. So 21 out of 25 of the car brands they research say they can share your personal data with service providers, data brokers, and other businesses. Mm. 19 out of 25 say they can sell your personal data to whomever they choose. And uh, more specific examples, they report that Subaru's privacy policy says that passengers of a car that use connected services have, quote, consented, unquote, to allow them to use and maybe even sell their personal information just by being inside the car. Unbelievable. And they say that Nissan uh, say that they can collect and share your sexual activity, health diagnoses data, (gasps) and genetic information and other sensitive personal information for targeted marketing purposes in their Nissan USA privacy notice. So this is... (laughs) So... (laughs) Well, now, now I see why Graham got that email. So, whatever he was doing in his car, he gets, oh, it all makes sense. It gets even worse, though, with Nissan. Nissan also say they can share and even sell inferences drawn from any personal data collected to create a profile about a consumer reflecting the consumer's preferences, characteristics, psychological trends, predispositions, behavior, attitudes, intelligence, abilities, and aptitudes for targeted marketing purposes. Purposes. It is true that you could infer quite a lot from my driving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but think about it. You're having a fight with your loved one, right? For example, on the phone, uh, you pick up someone and they start an intimate story about their life that's horrible. This is all being hoovered up by your car. It's insane. So how are they finding out about my sex life and my sexual activity? Is this condensation on the inside of the windows? (laughs) I have not been able to look at all the research because they've done quite a deep dive. They've done an overall report and then they've done little mini reports for each of the 25 cars. So I have provided links in the show notes to the main article and literally you can just go search your car brand in on the website and it's very easy to find. But I have had the pleasure of speaking with Jan Callrider before. And what they do is do a fine search through the terms and conditions and the privacy notices. And that's how they're able to see what the company is basically giving itself allowances for or not. And you're an expert on this sort of thing. I mean, not obviously having sex in cars. I I imagine you do it in laybys instead outside of the car. But if you... (laughs) Is it the case that it's the legal team saying... We need to put all of this into our privacy policy just in case we accidentally <laughs> share any of this information. I think there's certainly an element of that just in case, but until it gets flushed out, like this research has done. Right. You know, the um, NCAP safety rating, mm. where there's those very sort of dramatic videos of cars crashing into walls and the dummies sort of flying forwards. Um, and you, you, we, we learned from that that Volvo have the safest cars. And so there's this whole end cap rating across Europe where it's like we know right. how safe each car is. Yes. I think we need something like that for privacy. For you know, for any sort of connected devices, you need to have that score. You know, much like the, the food hygiene scores, you know, if you go to a dodgy takeaway, if it's got a one, you know, it's not a good place. But mm. you know. We need something transparent that people can just see as they walk in the door, one to five, you know, where does it sit? Hundred percent. And, and actually, so Mozilla and the Privacy Not Included Foundation are saying, if you don't like this, Mozilla community is asking a car companies to stop their huge data collection programs, and you can join them by adding your name to the list. Well, so we've got to give our information to say we're fed up with having our information taken. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the catch-22 of our times, Graham. 
Compliance isn't fun, but neither is a data breach or losing a customer. That's why Drata automated it. With Drata, you don't have to spend hours collecting evidence, manually testing controls, managing spreadsheets and screenshots, and pestering other teams with requests. With automated evidence collection over 85 integrations and 24-hour monitoring, Drata automates the compliance process and keeps you audit-ready all year round. Drata supports over 16 frameworks, including SOC 2, ISO 27001, GDPR, and HIPAA. And with an open API and plenty of customization, you can build your compliance program your way. With over 475 five-star reviews, Drata is the highest-rated cloud compliance platform on G2. Countless security professionals from companies like Notion, Lemonade, and Bamboo HR have shared how crucial it's been to have Drata as their trusted compliance partner. Listeners of Smashing Security can get 10% off Drata and waived implementation fees at smashingsecurity.com slash Drata. That's smashingsecurity.com slash D-R-A-T-A. And thanks to Drata for supporting the show. If you work in security or IT and your company has Okta, this message is for you. For the past few years, the majority of data breaches and hacks you read about have something in common. It's employees. Hackers absolutely love exploiting vulnerable employee devices and credentials. But imagine a world where only secure devices can access your cloud apps. Here, credentials are useless to hackers, and you can manage every OS, even Linux, from a single dashboard. Best of all, you can get employees to fix their own device security issues without creating more work for IT. The good news is, you don't have to imagine this world. You can just start using Collide. Collide is a device trust solution for companies with Okta, and it makes sure that if a device is not trusted or secure, it can't log in to your cloud apps. Visit collide.com slash smashing to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash smashing. Gigamon's deep observability pipeline amplifies the power of traditional security and observability tools with actionable, network-derived intelligence and insight to eliminate blind spots in hybrid cloud environments, including the threats that may be hiding in encrypted traffic. Gigamon's latest survey of over 1,000 global leaders reveals the state of hybrid cloud security and the dangers that free-flowing encrypted traffic poses to organizations. Find out more. Download the report.com slash smashing. That's G-I-G-A-M-O-N dot com slash smashing. And thanks to Gigamon for supporting the show. And welcome back. Can you join us at our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. My Pick of the Week is a new online game I stumbled across. I don't know if you've ever been to... Kroll, you've got a website, kroll.wtf. Mm-hmm. Very good, if you want to check out Kroll's art. Thank you, Graham. Another website with the .wtf tld 
is Vole, V-O-L-E, where they have a number of very amusing online games. And I have come across a game up there called, well, it's called Programming Language Inventor or Serial Killer. And what it does is it puts up images of people and gets you to try and guess whether they created a programming language or whether they killed lots of people. And it's quite good fun. I, I've just clicked into it now. Um, when you say they've got lots of games, is this like the modern day version of Newgrounds? You know, they used to host all those Flash games. Oh, I don't know that. No, it died when Flash did. But oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it says, can you tell a Norman Bates from a Bill Gates? Can you tell a coder from a cannibal, a mathematician from a murderer? Yes. Try to spot who liked hacking away at corpses rather than computers. And one of the things I discovered is there's a lot of serial killers who look like programmers and vice versa. <laughs> I'm playing it now and I've, I've basically failed on all of them so far. I've now got Dorothea Puente and she's the death house landlady. <laughs> yeah, she looks so sweet. Oh, I'd have happily sat down for a cup of tea with her. <laughs> Very cute game. Anyway, I think our listeners will enjoy it. Go and tell the difference, if you can, between programming language inventors and serial killers. And that is my pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Andy, what's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week is actually from a company called Rask AI. Uh, although I couldn't, I wanted to work through them working today. Uh, it was advertised on TikTok a, a few days ago, and their website has been extremely busy ever since. Um, and so I used uh, Verbalate, which is a, a competitor of theirs. What, what do they do? What do they do? So imagine, uh, you know, a show such as yourselves, you know, obviously very popular across, you know, the, the UK, uh, across Europe, across the US. Whereas I think, you know, a, a show more like myself at Host Unknown, we're very popular in India and uh, Japan and you know, some of the other sort of countries that maybe you guys aren't. Right. So maybe you wanted to expand into those markets, you know, speaking in their native language would help. Um, but you don't want an AI-generated voice. You know, you actually want your voice to be translated. Mm. Oh. But how well do you speak Korean or how well do you speak Japanese or Hindu? <laughs> this site will allow you to upload video in your own voice and you can either get the audio extract only or... It will actually lip sync your mouth and translate at the same time. Oh my gosh. It's actually, you know, if you're doing videos or TikToks or any sort of social medias, it's a fantastic tool, especially for deep faking stuff as well, right? So th- this is like a universal translator, the sort of thing that they predicted in Star Trek. It is, absolutely. <laughs> my gosh. I've uploaded mine. Uh, I, I did a little plug for Smashing Security. Oh, thank you very much. Um, in English, so, you know, Graham can understand. And then I translated it to French, and so you can then sort of listen and say, Ashley, yeah, that's exactly what you said. Let's take a listen. Have you ever wondered how to protect yourself from hackers while keeping your sanity intact? Well, prepare to have your socks knocked off by the Smashing Security podcast with hosts Graham and Carole at the helm. This cyber-explosive duo will guide you through the hilarious world of cybersecurity, debunking myths, sharing heartwarming security fails, and uncovering the most bizarre tech headlines you won't believe are real. Very complimentary. And what well, now we're going to hear it in French. 
Vous êtes-vous déjà demandé comment vous protéger des pirates informatiques tout en gardant la tête froide Eh bien, préparez-vous à faire tomber vos chaussettes avec le Smashing Security Podcast. Avec les animateurs Graham et Carole à la barre, ce duo cyber-explosif vous guidera dans le monde hilarant de la cybersécurité. Le monde hilarant de la cybersécurité en déboulonnant des mythes, en partageant des échecs de sécurité qui font chaud au cœur et en découvrant les titres les plus bizarres sur la technologie dont vous ne croirez pas la véracité. Okay, not bad, not bad. Crow, is this correct, Frank? Two great lines, tomber les chaussettes, love that. Cyber explosif. It gets the message across, I guess. And th we're just hearing it now, but there's actually a video where your lips are sort of... Yeah, it looks pretty authentic. This The world is getting so scary, I can't even believe nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is free to you at the moment as well. So you can get one minute for free. Um, you know, just register whenever you want, get multiple single minutes, or else a very affordable subscription. Oh, oh, oh you're, you're comfortable with subscriptions, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I have one or two um, coming out of an account somewhere. <laughs> Crow, what's your pick of the week? So mine's kind of security related, maybe a little bit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought you said better not be. I know, because, um, well, it's all about taking down a scammer in a dark oh. comic drama called The Following Events Are Based on a Pack of Lies. It came out on iPlayer last week. I have hoovered it all down already. It's from the creator of Better Called Saul and Breaking Bad, so Vince Gilligan. Oh. And this is his latest oeuvre, and it, we follow Alice who, while getting across her hometown of Oxford, Graham, yes. my home city, yes. she spies her estranged husband crossing the road. And like a decade earlier, he told her he was popping up for chow mein and never returned. So like a shit for sure. But when he left, he also stole all her cash and her parents' retirement fund. So basically what you'd call a super shit, I guess. <laughs> and uh, he's now presenting himself as a renowned eco-disruptor. <laughs> How's that for a title? And has a kind of a bit of Tony Robbins feel, you know, like I'm king. And he has new victim in his sights, a very wealthy and newly widowed auteur. So uh, a strange wife is going to try and give it her all to save the day. But does she manage? So very fun, full of twists and turns. You also get to see a baddie who is a master at gaslighting, right? Because you rarely see that on telly. You often see these kind of lame gaslighters, but this guy really does it well. <laughs> so it's worth checking out. He has out. to admire his gaslighting. Have you seen it, Andy? <laughs> I, I've not seen it, no, but you sound quite impressed by him. <laughs> well, interested. I just was like, wow, wow. Um, so my pick of the week is the following events are based on a pack of lies. You will get to see loads of uh, real places in Oxford. <laughs> Uh, which is cool, except for the courthouse, which is much, much nicer in the, in the show than the one I was stuck in for two weeks last year. It, when you were on the jury, we should stress, rather than, rather than yes, any other reason. When I was a jury member, yes. Oh, sorry, yes. <laughs> rather than anything else. <laughs> and where can people watch this, Krill? You can see it currently on iPlayer, and I'm sure you can get it wherever you uh, buy or stream stuff. Look, I know it's on BBC at the moment in the UK. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm going to check it out. Um, now, you've been busy this week. You've been chatting to the guys at Gigamon. Yes. So we have a really informative featured interview with Mark Zhao. He's the technical evangelist at Gigamon. And we talk about encrypted cloud threats and what you can do about them. Check it out. Mm -hmm. 
right, let's kick this off. So listeners, I want to welcome Mark Zhao. Is that how I say your name, Mark? It is short and very easy to say, and you said it perfectly first time. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Listeners, I want to welcome Mark Zhao. He's the EMEA Technical Evangelist at Gigamon. Thanks so much for making time to come on the show. And again, thanks for your time, Carol, and have us on the show. First, maybe you could just tell all our listeners a little bit about Gigamon and their focus and what role you play in making that all happen. Okay, so, I mean, Gigamon is, a, is an organization that's been delivering uh, deep network insight and deep observability solutions to enterprise customers now for about 19 years. Mm. Um, and within the, their Amir organization, I speak on behalf of the company uh, in terms of the, how the organization addresses business challenges for our, for the organizations that we serve, um, give updates on our product, our product strategy roadmap, and also ensure that the technical teams that we have creating solutions for our customers giving them the compelling solution that delivers the outcome that we promise when they purchase that solution. So I guess there are three elements to the role. Wow. Okay. So you're a busy guy. You're a busy guy. Uh, mainly, yes. Yeah. And and uh, certainly at this, this time of year, very busy, but busy in a very good way. And that's because largely because of the demand for the capability that we offer. Fantastic. So let's dive into that a bit, because I know you guys recently issued the Gigamon Hybrid Cloud Security Survey 2023. And this Gigamon report highlights a perception versus reality gap. Can you talk to us about that? It's clear from the results that we got back. And, and you know, the, the results are pretty substantial in that we had responses from about a thousand senior IT and security leaders and what they're telling us is is slightly paradoxical. On, on one hand, you know, 94% of them tell us that they've got the required levels of uh, visibility they need in their organization. You know, over half of them say that they're confident in their ability to repel attacks. Mm. But when we examine them further in terms of, you know, how confident they feel about things like encrypted data, how many of them have actually had breaches Clearly, there are there are significant numbers involved there to the point where you know somewhere in the region of of fifty percent of them have had breaches. Wow! And the ones that have been breached, they don't even know how they were breached and how the data or the the access was going to their organisation. So clearly, you know, at one level they're confident, at another level the the realities point a depend a different picture. Yeah, totally. So so why are there so many breaches? Why are they happening so frequently? Um, I, I think it's fair to say that that if you if you map the trend of the growth in encrypted data, not not just in terms of the traditional internet uh, data volumes, I think ninety five percent of the data today is, is encrypted traffic in terms of the internet, but increasingly organisations are using encrypted and generating encrypted traffic in their internal application environments, their cloud environments within their own organisations, mm. and I think what they're seeing is. 70% of the people we spoke to are letting that information flow freely across their organization. And they're not doing that because they want to. They're doing that because they, they currently have to, because there's no viable solutions out there to help them look into that encrypted data in a meaningful way. And as a result, those bad actors are effectively turning um, an enc encryption, which is primarily an asset there to assure the security and safety of organizations and the people who bank and buy things from those organizations and give their data to those organizations. Effectively, that very security mechanism is, is being used against them because increasingly uh, bad actors are hiding 
their attacks in that encrypted data. I think about over 90% is hidden with encrypted data. So if they're letting it flow, flow freely and they can't see within it, then it's hardly surprising that, that that's where the actors are going to strike. And I, and I think when you when you look at the fact that 30% of them say, look, we, we didn't even know we'd been attacked or how, it's probably the case that that threat was hidden in encrypted data, which is why they didn't see it. And they're only finding about the breach when they see either their data being offered for sale on the dark web or someone's trying to extort money from them or there's a new, there's a, there's a new story hits. So I, th- I think encrypted data for us is the key of where a lot of those risks are, are actually starting to, to increase. Do you see any kind of categorization or like trends? Uh, initially, there's a breach and that's really just steal data to sell it on. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I, I think I think it's fair to say that. I mean, that you, there are still the, the you know the ransomware attacks that we that we saw the last sort of two or three years, mm. and and there are the you know the random acts of vandalism. People who just want to damage or corrupt things because they can and they get a kick from it. Mm. But I do I do think a lot of the encrypted attacks that we see now are perpetrated increasingly by. Uh, nation state or very experienced threat actors that have been commissioned by nation states uh, and others. And they're there to gain access to um, data within the organization that either has commercial value or strategic ge- geopolitical value or even national security value. And so a lot of the attacks into encrypted data really are around, you know, getting access to data getting data outside the organization and also demonstrating to nation states that that they're vulnerable to attacks from other states. So that's that's a lot of what we see. Wow. Okay. And so do you think that it's down to lack of visibility? So if all this stuff is hiding in encrypted form and you're not even aware it's there, is it that lack of visibility into these hybrid cloud infrastructures that's maybe basically a pipeline to security issues? Uh, it, it, it is. I think. I think visit, visibility is absolutely uh, critical. I mean, they, you know, they do say what you what you can't you can't see, you can't protect against. And and I think a lot of organisations have become in the past content with a certain amount of visibility that they get from various different observability tools and tools that look at logs and metrics and events and things. Mm. They've got pretty good visibility in terms of what's happening north south uh, within their organisations and their their data centres. A lot of organizations don't realize the art of the possible that organizations like Gigamon can deliver to give them that that deep network level immutable data traffic visibility, right? Um, both east west and north south across their data centers into public public clouds within public clouds within private clouds at that network level. And I think it's that level of visibility that organizations are starting to realize they need. Interestingly enough, when we we did the survey, we asked some of the questions before we explained to the respondents what we meant by deep observability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we'd done that, we said, okay, if you have this capability, this deep network level insight, immutable uh, data that you can feed to the different tools to be better informed, would this be of value to you? And would this close these, vis- these visibility gaps you're telling us about? Mm-hmm. And universally, I think the vast majority, over 90% said, Absolutely, it would. And they were looking to try and implement those types of solutions. Some of them already had to some extent. But even with that deep observability today, um, getting access to the uh, information in the clear in encrypted traffic, particularly in cloud environments, is very difficult, even if you've got access to that network traffic. Right. Again, that that's something that we 
are uniquely placed now to provide a solution for, unlike many organizations, um, other organizations out there. Oh, we want to hear about that. Can you tell us a little bit about how Gigamon is addressing all this, the, like the issue of decryption and inspection of traffic? Well, I, certainly. And again, it's fair to say, um, and, and again, um, I'm extremely proud. I think the company should be proud of, of what it's managed to achieve here, because if you look at what Gigamon's done probably over the past seven, eight, nine years, we've we've had solutions in place, you know, leading solutions that operate securely at scale and robustly to help organizations decrypt and get access to uh, encrypted SSL traffic in the physical network for some time. We've been doing that for some time, but clearly uh, getting access to that traffic in the clear encrypted SSL, TLS 1.2, 1.3 traffic in cloud environments in VMware, AWS, Azure, OpenStack, that, that's been a little bit of a holy grail, and that's not really been, been possible. Right. There have been organizations out there using you know, data solutions, AI machine learning analysis of the sort of packet profiles, but they still can't see into the the payload of the packet because it's encrypted and they, they sort of do trend analysis. Well, the release of our pre-cryption solution uh, on the 12th of September really helps customers now shine a clear light on that encrypted traffic within their cloud, their private public cloud environments, and actually their containerized environments. So, so what that solution is able to do is it's able to capture the traffic using tight integration with the Linux operating system and using eBPF to capture the traffic before it actually goes into the encryption engine and then be able to channel that traffic through secure tunnels to the appropriate uh, tools and observability platforms to make use of that uh, decrypted traffic in the clear. So organizations that are using encrypted traffic in cloud will be able to reconcile what the network packet header says about where what that traffic might be where it's going to where it's coming from mm-hmm. and actually what that traffic is because quite often what's in the payload particularly with bad actors trying to conceal their their attacks by things like port spoofing doesn't reconcile with the port information that's in the header and you can only really be certain of that if you can get the access to the payload in the clear and that's what we do and then on the other way out we're able to capture the traffic in the clear mm. after it gets decrypted on the way out. So again, it's an elegant solution and it is one that requires very little CPU and machine resource to do because effectively we're effectively piggybacking on existing both operating system and, ca- and capability and capturing the data before it goes into encryption and after it comes out. So the CPU overhead is very low. Um, and it's very easy to install and configure that solution in, in an existing Gigamon environment. And on top of that, I imagine it is completely invisible to the user, right? The user of the cloud, all your clients, your employees, everyone around who's doing what they need to do. It is absolutely. It, it, it's seamless. But but also, I think a point that needs to be made is, you know, we, we do take data in the clear uh, decrypted data very very seriously because it's very it's very easy for to do that and then have that data going off in directions that are uncontrolled and unmanaged. We're very keen to make sure that we're channeling that information in the clear either before it gets encrypted or after it gets decrypted, only using secure secure methods of transport to the tools that really need uh, that data and, and that payload. And we can do that for. Pretty much any um, any encryption standard 1.3, 1.2 TLS. Hmm. Uh, we, we're able also even able to support some of the some of the, the legacy 
um, encryption platforms as well. So it, as you pointed, it's very, it's very seamless to the user as well. That's so cool. So it's like light on the feet for IT. So you don't need a bucket full more resources to run. It doesn't hammer the systems. The, the, the user is unaware of it, but actually the environment is much more secure through this game changer you're calling precryption. It's very cool. Yeah, exactly as well. And again, Gigamon has for some time had additional capability to take traffic in the clear and mask parts of the data that might be personal, personally sensitive information, for example. So if once you've decrypted uh, or gained access to, to, to the traffic before it, before it goes into encryption, if there are things like credit card numbers or email addresses or addresses in there, the company says, actually, we don't want to send that data to the tool in the clear for a GDPR reason, for example. They can use the capability that we call masking to effectively mask that particular part of that traffic and then send that on so that personal data is still still preserved and is kept secure from from, uh, from a GDPR perspective. It sounds amazing. I know there's going to be a glut full of listeners who are going to want to learn more about this. Is there anything you want to add at this stage? A lot of people over the last few years have, have always given up on the fact that this capability would ever be possible to to achieve. And so people assume it's not possible to do. And only when they, they see it happen before their very eyes, and we've got a number of, of demonstrations that we've put up in place. We're going to be recording some uh, some predefined clips for demos to share both socially in terms of the you know the, the, the public launch activity that we've done for precryption. Um, but we'd, we'd certainly like people to suddenly start to lift their heads and say, actually, no longer do I have to struggle to get access to uh, to my data in the clear if it's encrypted, and no longer do I have to tolerate that I'm going to have to let 70% of it flow around my organization if I'm going to keep my systems running and just accept the risk. No longer now do they have to accept the risk, and particularly in their public and private cloud environments where arguably increasingly data and workloads are moving cloudwards at a huge pace. That's, again, where most of the attackers are centering their, you know, their activities. And so you think cloud, encrypted, um, and um, ransomware, that's, that's, that's where they're focusing. And with a precryption solution, it runs on cloud, um, it enables access to that decrypted traffic, and no longer can the bad actors hide in those environments, certainly from solutions that are using Gigamon. Listeners, you have heard Mark, uh, and you can see for yourselves why everything is not as it seems for the state of hybrid cloud security in 2023. You can learn about what keeps CISOs up at night, the most common and critical cloud blind spots, and the foundational elements of zero trust by going to gigamon.com slash smashing. That's gigamon.com slash smashing. And thank you so much, Mark Zhao, EMEA Technical Evangelist at Gigamon for talking with us. You're very welcome, Carol. Thank you. Terrific. Well, that just about wraps up the show for this week. Andy, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online or find out what you are up to. What's the best way for folks to do that? Uh, so if you want to contact me, you can get me on Blue Sky. Uh, I am at Sir Jester on Blue Sky. But if you don't have access to that yet, then you can get me on Rumble or Truth Social or any of those right wing <laughs> uh, networks as at Tom Langford is my handle on those sites. So feel free to reach out. And you can follow us on Twitter, uh, at least at the moment, at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And we also have a Mastodon presence. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast apps, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Overcast. 
And shout out to this week's episode sponsors, Collide, Drata, and Gigamon. And of course, to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship info, guest lists, and the entire back catalog of more than 339 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. going to add your u porn to how people get in touch with us <laughs> <laughs> slash g clues. please send yeah. me links to any videos where you think i might be appearing so i can uh, try and get them taken down <laughs>